Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. The Lord, saints. Amen, amen, amen. It is always a blessing and a privilege to stand in front of you all. I'd ask that you all pray with me. Blessed Father, as we come before you on this day, Lord, we just thank you yet again for another day in your grace and in your mercy. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to come to the house of worship, Father God, to lift you up, Father God, to praise the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, and we pray right now, Father God, that you are pleased with our worship this far, Father, for we desire a worship experience with you. And Lord, it is time for your word to be spoken, Lord. And Lord, I would ask right now, Father God, that you be magnified in this place, Father God. I recognize, Lord, that I am merely a vessel, Father. So Lord, I ask that you use me for your glory, for your honor, and your praise, Father God. Speak through me to your people, Father God. And as it said, pour them out a blessing, Father God. Father God, I ask that you open the ears of those who have not heard your word today, Father God. Draw them by the cords of your love, Father God. We'll be forever grateful and thankful. It is in the blessed name of Jesus that we offer this prayer. Amen. Before I begin, I just want to say thank you to our pastor for allowing me to grace the pulpit. Bless you, pastor. And I thank you for your tutelage. To my associate ministers, my brothers in, the, in labor, thank you for your support in this congregation. I thank you. I love you. I, I truly do. And to that beautiful young lady over there on my left. Thank you does not seem to cover the 19 plus years, amen? You know, God is so good, so y'all just forgive me if I get misty. I'm not misty because I'm sad. I'm just emotional because I love God. Our opening scripture this morning is going to come from Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. And I see a couple of you all are still turning. Some of you are a little slow on the electronic devices. That's all right. And I'll be coming from, again, verses uh, 1 through 10, Acts 3. And the word of the Lord reads, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those entering the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go to, into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by his right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So leaping up, so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. 
Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You may take your seats. If I were to tag the title of this message, the title of the message is Position for a Blessing. I think we can all agree that the moral decline in this society isn't surprising, but what I do find surprising is at the rate of which society continues to move further and further away from the Lord and his word, choosing to substitute sacred texts and scriptures for cultural trends. Far too often the people of God treat the Lord like a spiritual Santa Claus laying a laundry list of their wants and desires before him, and when he doesn't do what we ask or what we want, when we want or how we want, we begin to wonder what happened, where is he, why has he abandoned us? I would submit to you, it's not us. It's not, excuse me, it's not the Lord, it's us. The problem with the conditional, uh, the problem is what we tend to do is we give the Lord those conditional promises. Lord, if you do this, I'll come to church. Lord, if you do that, I'll go to Bible study. The problem with that is we elevate ourselves above God as if God owes us something. We get angry and we're impatient and we get depressed when he doesn't do what we ask. However, I would submit to you the Lord desires to, he desires to bless his children. He wants to bless us. But we ourselves, we have to be in the right position to receive his blessing and his favor. But what we fail to understand is not the Lord that has changed. Malachi 3 and 6 tells us, for I am the Lord, I do not change. It is us that has changed. We began to change at the moment Adam fell. When Adam turned around and he disobeyed God, God had to ask him, where are you? He didn't ask Adam where was he because he didn't know where he was. We have to keep in mind that God is omnipresent. God knew exactly where Adam was. He asked Adam because he needed Adam to recognize that he was out of favor, that he was out of alignment with him. And I will submit that the Lord is asking us today, where are you? Are we like Adam? Are we under excuse me, are we outside the favor of God? Have we walked away from it? Are we like the beggar at the gate? The beggar at the gate, or the lame man at the gate, he was always at the temple, always outside the gate, always in the presence and the favor of the glory of the Lord, but never took the opportunity to go in, never took the time to go in and introduce himself to the Lord. Amen? When we look at our text, we look at the lame man, and Scripture tells us he was carried to the gate of the temple every day. However, again, like I said, he never went into the temple. He was never invited in by the people because he was crippled and because of the spiritual pride of, those who, uh, of the people who determined that he was blemished, not fit for the house of God. He only sat at the, at the gate to beg. He could only hear others pray but never offered a prayer for himself. His feeble attempts at prayer only amounted to begging people entering the temple who appeared to give him their loose change to ease their conscience as they went into prayer. And I will submit to you, as a people of God, to be used by him for his glory, we should rejoice and give him praise simply for taking part in his glorious plan of redemption. People who are willing to be used by God are people who are always sensitive to the needs of those around them. People who are willing to be used by God are those who are willing to be interrupted. These are the people that want to align themselves with God. When we're in the right position to be a blessing, God uses that to bless other people. In other words, God operates on the principle of reciprocity. When we desire to bless other people, God desires to bless us. Unfortunately, the lame man and the people of God entering the temple, neither of those were in the right position. And as I began to study this portion of text, scripture, 
it jumped out at me, the positioning was all wrong. And it wasn't just one position, it was three positions, and that's what I want to discuss with you today. It was three positions that we have to be in in order to receive the blessings of God. The first position is a position of consistency. The second position is a position of preparation. The third position is a position of praise. A position of consistency. When we look at the text, uh, the scripture tells us it was the third, excuse me, it tells us it was the ninth hour. The ninth hour. The ninth hour was three o'clock to the Jews. Understand that the Jews had three times of prayer. Prayer was at 9 a.m., 12 a.m., and 3 p.m. And scripture tells us that the beggar was carried. That means he was being carried there sometime between 2.30 and 3 o'clock. Now understand that this scripture also tells us this man was at the gate every day. That means this man made at least six trips to and fro every day to the temple. He was consistent in his behavior. He was consistent in getting to the temple. How many of us are consistent every time the church doors open? Where are we? When the church doors open, are you there? Are you there to help somebody else? Amen? How consistent are we in our prayer time? How about our time of devotion or in our time of study or our time of fellowship? Instead, our current culture would tell us, you don't have to pray all the time. There's no need to go to church all the time. And I find that kind of funny because um, anytime that there's a tragedy, the first thing that everybody does is they run to the church. The first time, anytime a tragedy, somebody always runs up, can you pray for me? But then you also hear this. We don't need your prayers. We need action. Now, again, when you say that, that lets you know right then and there that you are out of position. That means that man can take care of you better than God. Look at it this way. If you're only praying when a tragedy occurs or attending church or Bible study only on your time, I would say that's consistent, but I would say that's consistently inconsistent. You know, during my military career, I had the privilege to go over to the Middle East a few times. And what I found interesting was in the Islamic countries, they had prayer at least five times a day. There was always an audible message going out over the mosque to remind the people to come to prayer. The businesses would shut down and everybody would stop doing what they were doing to go to prayer. As a child of God, you don't need an audible reminder to go to prayer. You don't need an audible reminder to go to church. When we talk about being consistent, we talk about being consistent in our word being consistent in our prayer time, being consistent in our devotion. Psalms 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, I don't know about any of you, but my calendar shows me that I got seven days a week. And if you're talking about day and night, that means I got 14 times to turn around and give the Lord some time throughout my day. If we're talking seven days a week, 14 times, we're talking, what's, what is that? Let me see, what's four? That's 56 times a month, right? 56 times a month, that means I can turn around and I can give the Lord some praise. 56 times a month. My math is bad. I wasn't that good in math. But that means that's at least 600 times a year in the morning and in the evening that I can give the Lord some of my time. Understand that the Lord gives us a slice of time to prepare for an eternity with him. But the question is, what are you doing with that time? Are you giving that time to God or are you giving that time to the job? You're giving that time to the club. You're giving that time to the Spurs game or the Dallas Cowboys game. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean walking around all day talking about, 
Our Father who art in heaven. No, that's not what that means. Pray without ceasing. If I'm sitting down and I'm watching TV and there's nothing on, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the Lord. When I'm driving to work, I'm sitting there talking to the Lord. When I'm sitting over there sitting next to the pastor, I'm talking to the Lord. When I'm sitting at home doing nothing, I'm sitting at work, I'm talking to the Lord. The issue is we don't want to work on our vertical relationship. We want to take care of looking at everything that else is in front of us instead of looking to the Lord and looking what's above us. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching, the manner, the habit, the consistency. I want you all to look around. Look at how many seats are empty in this place. That's the habit of some people who don't want to come to church. I'm not talking about those who are on streaming. I'm talking about those members who are sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, look. I was told once a long time ago, you throw a rock, a rock in a pack of dogs, the only one that's going to holler is the one that got hit. So I, I don't mean to be offensive, but let's be honest, the word of God can be offensive at times. Because if that bothers you what I said, then obviously it might be you that I'm talking to. I want to be like that beggar. When that beggar was there at the church door, every time it opens, I want to be there to receive the blessings of God. Understand, the beggar knew that the only way that he could survive was off the people of God. The only way that I can survive is through God himself. The only way that I can survive is through the people of God. Trust me when I tell you, every last one of you in here has contributed to my life in some way or another. So on Sunday morning, I look forward to seeing each and every one of you. On Sunday morning, you don't believe and you don't understand how much what you say and what you do allows to carry me through the week. When we're not consistent in maintaining our, our, our vertical relationship, that lack of consistency it adversely impacts us because we begin to move further and further away from the potential blessings. And if you think about it, and you know what scripture says, our relationship with the Lord is like a marriage. And I don't know about any of you all, and I see I know a number of you all in here are married. I don't know one marriage yet that does not require some work. I do not know one marriage yet that does not require some consistency. Brothers, brothers, check this out now. You know when you first saw that woman before you turned around and got married, you said, oh, that, little, that woman looked good. You wanted that woman. Am I right or wrong about it? When you wanted that woman, you put your best foot forward. You put on your best clothes. You made sure your car was clean because if you were to take out, you didn't want to put her in no dirty car. You wanted to give her your best. You did everything you could to get that woman. Sisters, y'all no different. You turn around, you wanted to make sure you look good for that man. You always wanted to look good. Make sure your hair is done. Make sure your nails done. Make sure you got on your nice apparel. But then once you get married, you stop all of that. You see, when you start doing that, now y'all ain't nothing but roommates. What I can't understand is when people who are married say, I fell out of love with them. I don't understand that because that means you stopped working at it. Let me ask you something. How many of you all in here love Jesus? Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you all fell out of love with Jesus? Uh-huh, that's what I thought. When you stop working, it's because we become selfish. And you all know how that old selfish nature is. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Far too often we want to receive a blessing rather than be a blessing. And the blessing really, when you think about it, the blessing is in the relationship itself. The blessing is not in the material things that the Lord gives you. The blessing is not in... in 
the friendships that you have on this earth. The blessing, the true blessing is in the relationship that you have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Take note of the bigger. He was outside the gates of the temple, outside the covenant. The scripture tells us he was carried, meaning that brother was carried there. Again, keep in mind, I said the Jews had prayer at 9 a.m., 12, 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. That means that brother was carried there at 8.30. He stayed there until maybe 10.30. Now it's time for lunch. Comes back from this at 11.30. He's carried there. He leaves at 1.30. He's carried back at 2.30, and he was there until 4.35, maybe even 6. You know how you all like to stay around after church, after service. But again, keep in mind, like I said, he was living off of the people of God. But as I began to study this, I began to wonder, who carried this brother to and fro daily? And it dawned on me, everybody you think is your friend isn't your friend. Based upon the condition, we assume that this, based upon his condition, we could assume that this brother, brother struggled through life. You know this brother had to be on his hustle, and I have no doubt that there were those who took advantage of him in his condition. You know how we are. And when I say you know how we are, okay, if I'm going to carry you up here, what you going to do for me? You're going to have to hook me up. You're going to have to give me a little something. Scripture doesn't bear out that those entering the temple ever told him about Jesus or offered him anything more than their spare change or offering themselves or showing themselves friendly. Again, like I said, you know that selfish nature, the whiff them. What's in it for me? We're always thinking about self. Never once asking, what can I do for you? Keep in mind, Jesus said he came to serve and not be served. What can I do for you? But understand, even Jesus was clearly taken advantage of. Think about the ten lepers that Jesus healed. Of the ten, only one came back. Matter of fact, somewhere between seven to nine years ago, pastor gave a message. Pastor, I remember that. The message was, where are the nine? The question is, where are you right now when Jesus blesses you? There are people out there online right now, people out there in the street, people in your homes that you know right now that God has blessed. And once God has blessed them, they got what they want and they turned their back and they went the other way. But then again, another storm is coming. And when that storm is coming, the first thing they're going to holler is Jesus. The first thing they're going to ask you is, can you pray for me? When our so-called friends take advantage of, we want to tell them what's on our natural mind. And if you were anything like me in my BC days, if somebody did that to me, I was like, well, come on, let's go outside, let's talk about it. You know, if we're going outside, something had to happen. Let's <laughs> see, a casual, friend is some, a casual friend is someone you talk to sometimes, and that friendship is tenuous at best. But a real friend is someone that you could share a close affection with, someone you trust and enjoy being around. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, a man who has friends must show himself friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Put it, put it this way, a man is known by the company he keeps. That means a person is similar to those who chooses, he chooses to spend his time with. Jesus didn't spend his time with anybody. They spent his, their time with him. Jesus never asked anybody, hey, can I go with you? Jesus always said, come follow me. When you follow Jesus, that means you are beginning to spend your time with him. How many of you are spending your time with those? Peter and John were with Jesus consistently for three years. When you hang out with Jesus in word, in prayer, in Bible study, in church, you begin to change. Y'all heard that earlier when the choir was up here singing earlier. You are going to change. That's something that is automatically going to happen. Your friendships are going to change. 
Jesus called them his friends, and he was preparing his friends for the task ahead to be a blessing and to receive a blessing. Now the question again I'm going to ask is, who are you choosing to spend your time with? Psalms 1 and 18 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. When you look at the beggar, the beggar was at the gate every day, and he was putting his confidence in man. He sat there, and he was consistently asking man for help. He was consistently asking man for alms. In other words, asking man for money. You know, I asked the Lord for a job. He blessed me with a job. I didn't particularly like the job at first. (laughs) I was a little ungrateful. So the Lord had to teach me a lesson. And when I learned that lesson, the Lord began to elevate me and started to put a little bit more money in my pocket. But when he put a little bit more money in my pocket, I began to put a little bit more money in the collection plate. I began to give back to him what he gave to me. Again, the Lord operates on the principle of reciprocity. So when, you turn, when the Lord turns around and blesses you, we have to turn around and we have to bless him. But the thing of it is we have to be in the right position. Peter offered the man what nobody else could. But Peter also had to get the man in the right position. Again, keep in mind, like I said, nobody was in the right position. The only ones that were in the right position to receive a blessing were Peter and John. The people of God were going in and out of the temple, constantly ignoring the man. How many of us are constantly ignoring our unsaved friends instead of offering them the word of God, instead of offering them subsistence, instead of sitting there and telling them about what God has done for you? When Peter went to get him in the right position, understand, and I have to do a visual illustration. Now, I can walk, but you're talking about a lame man, a man who couldn't walk, and he's in a humble position. He has to get prepared. Peter had to prepare him to receive a blessing. How do you, what, what does a position of preparation look like? A humble man was sitting there asking for alms with his head down. Alms, 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 begging. But Peter said, when he saw Peter and John, understand, first and foremost, let me back up. When it says he saw seeing Peter and John, the word seeing, that lets you know right then and there that they were prepared for a divine engagement. This was going to be a divine encounter. And I'm going to pause and I'm going to share a little story with you here real quick. A number of years ago. You have to be, for the people of God to be used by God, you have to be sensitive to the spirit. You have to be willing to be used by God. A couple of years ago, my wife wanted to go to the BX. Now, we live right over here on this side of town, but she wanted to go over to, Lac- uh, over to Fort Sam. I didn't want to go over there, but I wanted to make sure that she was happy. So I said, okay. But before we walked out of the house, the Holy Spirit said, I need you to pray. Okay. Before we walked out of the house, I got down on the stairs and I prayed. She goes, you all right? I said, yes. When we got to the BX, Within five minutes, we're standing there, and there was a gentleman over there talking to another individual, and he made some unflattering comments about his wife, and I kind of chuckled, and he looked at me and said, well, you know what I'm talking about? I said, no, because my help meter's right here. I'm good. (laughs) We walked away. My wife and I walked away, and we did our shopping. About five minutes later, as we're getting ready to leave, this same gentleman comes comes down the aisle, and he's looking at me, and he goes, I was looking looking for you. I'm sitting there wondering, are you looking for me for what? I don't know this man from a can of paint. And he looked at my wife. He goes, I need to borrow your husband for a couple of minutes. You see, when you walk with Jesus, people are going to notice things about you. They, don't, they may not know what it is. And before I knew it, me and this man were standing there in the aisle on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of Fort Sam PX. And this man is sitting there pouring his life out to me, pouring his eyes out to me. The man standing there crying, and I'm in tears with this man. And the man asked me to pray for him. 
And as he asked me to pray for him, he told me his name. But in the midst of the conversation, I kept forgetting his name. And I'm thinking the conversation was going on for five minutes. When you are talking about Jesus, you get lost in time. You can't put a time clock on Jesus. Before I knew it, me and this man were standing over there for 30 minutes. My wife had walked by two and three times waiting on me to leave. And I would get ready to walk away, and the man said, pray for me. And I said, okay, I will. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what was this man's name? And I got 10 feet away from him, and he called out his name. And I went back and put all my items down, and I walked back over to this man and began to pray for this man right there in the middle of Fort Sam PX, in the middle of a set, in the middle of, in the middle of PX on a Saturday afternoon. Now, it wasn't about me, but it was about God. It wasn't about this man because, understand, it was a Saturday afternoon. And those of us who are military, if you've ever been in the BX on a Saturday afternoon, you know how crowded it is. This was a show of God. This was to show people that there are people out there who love God. And if you are willing, if you want to, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is seek out the people of God. We, almost, we must always be prepared. The word call, calls for us to be engaging. It doesn't call for us to engage. To be engaging means that you have to have a character, something that is appealing about you. And the only thing, there ain't nothing appealing about Lance L. Smith. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm tore up from the floor. However, there is something very appealing about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There obviously had to be something appealing about him to look at every last one of you that is in here. But unfortunately, by virtue of these empty seats, a lot of people are missing the message. We have to be sensitive, again, to the Holy Spirit to be able to share Christ with one another. We have to be prepared to share Christ with one another. How do we prepare? What does position of preparation look like? Humility with a focused expectation. A focused expectation. Scripture tells us the man was looking, he, he had his hand and expecting to receive something from God, from Peter. But Peter said, look at us. Peter had to gain his focus because Peter wanted him to understand it is, has nothing to do with me. It's not, what, it's not what I can give you. It's what God can give you. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. What Peter shared with him was his faith. When you share your faith with somebody and what God has done for you, things begin to turn around. Somebody shared their faith with me. I didn't want to turn around. I didn't want to be in the church. I ran from God. I ran from God from this pulpit for years. But when the Lord turned around and said, enough is enough, and I began to put my faith in action. And see, that's what the Lord calls, for, calls each of us for, to put our faith in action. First, uh, First Peter 3 and 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, be ready. Be prepared. Amen. We always have to be humble. But the problem is a lot of people think that humility is a sign of weakness. That is quite the opposite. In fact, humility is, um, humility is having the self-esteem to understand who you truly are. It's important to stay humble because having humility not only helps you develop a more kind approach to interacting with others, but also influence how you perceive yourself and the world around you. The lame man humbled himself before man, but Peter taught him how to humble himself before God. When we begin to humble ourselves before God, God begins to do miraculous things in our life. When God begins to do something in your life, God begins to do things for you that man said can't be done. God begins to give you not what you want, 
but what you need. You all heard the pastor this morning when he talked about what God has done. I have seen what God has done to the man of God over here to my left. I have seen what he's done for Dr. Blocker. I have seen what he's done for my brother Mike Dudley. I have seen what he has done in my own household. I dare not keep my mouth closed. I will continue to offer praise. When we sat up here, the choir was sitting up here talking about praise is what I do. Praise is all I want to do. All I want to do every day is praise. Because as you say, Pastor, as, bless, as praises go up, blessings come down. When, when we are witness to your praise, excuse me, when others are witness to your praise, they are, witness to your, they are witness to your blessing. And praise is infectious. If you don't believe praise is infectious, I want you to just roll the hands of time back about 30, 40 minutes when you all came in here, when we started praising God. Psalms 34, 1 and 2 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's an invitation for all of us to praise. That's an invitation for all of us to praise. Understand, when I'm feeling depressed, praise becomes my antidepressant. When I'm hurt, pain, praise becomes my pain reliever. When I'm emotional, praise becomes my peace. We can't exist without God. We can't exist without being in the right position. These positions, they are not mutually exclusive. These positions have to exist simultaneously. They are inclusive. We have to be consistent in our, work, in our study, of, in, our, in our time with the Lord, in our time in word, in our time of prayer, in our time of coming to worship. The Lord commands this of us. This is, he doesn't ask us to do this. These are all commands. We have to be prepared. When he tells us to go out into the world and make disciples, that's disciples making disciples. In other words, we are sharpening one another. We don't go out and just bring somebody into the household of faith and then leave them. No, that's not what we do. That means, my brother Kwanzaa, when I need you, bro, I need to pick up the phone. I need you to disciple me, brother. I'm having a hard time. I need you to help me praise God. I need you to help me get through this storm. I've come to the conclusion that many people don't need... Um, a handout, but well, what they really need is a hand up. And I don't think it should be lost on, it's not lost on me, and I don't think it should be lost on anyone that when Peter lifted the man up, he lifted him by his right hand, the right hand of fellowship. Now that's a whole nother lesson in and of itself. But so many people would be content to be carried around in their own, their own affliction rather than walk on their own two feet. The worst part of, uh, of, the worst part in many Christians are content to keep carrying them instead of offering that hand to help them, to help them stand in the right position. In other words, to help them fester, foster that relationship with the Lord. How do you do that? You invite your neighbor to Bible study. You don't have to wait to invite him to church. If it's Tuesday, hey, look, I'm going to Bible study. You want to come with me? All they can do is say no. No has never hurt anybody, amen? When it comes to our faith, the most difficult thing is putting it into action. And what the Lord calls us to do is act, to respond, and to move. No matter the cause, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances. And in order to do so, in order to be effective for the Lord, we have to be in the right position. Now, right now, every last one of us in this place is in the right position right now. Okay? We are in the right position because we are consistent in our worship and consistent in our praise. We are prepared to be able to take the word out into the street. 
and God knows we are prepared to praise because God knows I could not help but sit over there and be tearful this morning when this congregation turned around and began to praise God. When you lifted your voices to the rafter, rest assured that God was pleased. Today I would offer this. If you are out of position with God, today is the day to make it right. If you are outside the gate of the temple, in other words, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a day to come into the temple and get it right. I would pray that each of us would maintain the right position, and if any of us see another brother or sister that is not in the right position or that's faltering, help us. Help me. Continue to pray for me. Continue to pray for one another. God knows continue to pray for our pastor. Amen. Continue to pray for the leadership of this church and continue to pray for one another. Amen. And God bless you, Truvine. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.